Are you the kind of gal who isn't interested in how things used to be in the hair industry, who wants to hear from ladies who are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. All right, so today we have Teddy Biggers back with us. She has been up to a lot since her last visit to She Makes Waves. She has co-founded with Kimber Chapman Main Circle, which is an educational business workshop for hairstylists. Teddy, I'm so excited that you're here today. I'm so excited too. And this is awesome to be on here again. Yeah, I'm so excited, especially since our topic today is going to be minimalism in business. And I know, absolutely. And I think you and I have talked about minimalism in business a lot before. Yeah, I just love it. I just love just decluttering, simplifying. It just creates just so much more space for other things. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you were going to just jump in here and and kind of just talk a little bit about what you've done in your, you know, studio life and just how you've kind of simplified your business, what would you say is like the number one thing you've done? You know, I was thinking about it and minimalism can mean a couple different things. I think obviously it can be like physical decluttering of items. Um, but I think it can also be a mindset. And to me, when I moved into my salon suite and I decided to become my own boss and work for myself, to me, it was really freedom that I was searching for more than anything. And so for me, practicing minimalism in my business is really to have the freedom of time and flexibility and able to kind of pivot and change. But also too, I think for me, it's been being able to simplify things in a lot of ways. And I think we kind of touched on that in the previous podcast we recorded when we talked about me niching down my business and only just offering a few services anymore. So I kind of view that as minimalism too. Yeah, I do as well. And I feel like a lot of it, when you were just saying that, I'm like, yeah, there's like the physical component of it. Like, I don't like to have a lot of extra products in back or just like organization, but then there's also like the mental minimalism that's happened where it's like, you know, something as simple as like having fewer orders and, you know, just like not having like your accounts be cluttered and just like the the way that it frees up your mind is like, kind of like, there's like the, the real, like the tangible part of it. And then there's just like the mental space part of it. Absolutely. And to me, it's also, I think saying no to a lot of things in order to say yes to the right things that are the best things for me to be spending my time and my energy on and to have freedom to do that. Yeah. So are some of those things like the online scheduler and things like that, are those, is that kind of what you're talking about too? Like having systems in place that allow for. Yeah, absolutely. I, for me, uh, having online booking and really, really simplifying that. So I only have on my online scheduling, I think I only have like eight to 10 services that people can schedule. And I found the more that I minimalized that and simplified it, 
the easier it was for me to manage that and just let it go on total autopilot. Like I really never, hardly ever do I have to assist people with online booking, which has been a huge relief for me. And I don't have to spend a ton of time going back and forth with people. So I think maybe that's a good example of minimalism because I know some people do a lot of emailing back and forth with their clients. Yes. And to me, that just takes up so much like brain space. <laughs> it's really it like, does. and I've been doing less of it and it, it is a game changer. And I think kind of what you're saying is like, have that customer journey is a, is a much better experience when there's fewer options. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Have you ever heard of decision fatigue before? I have. And that's why I wear a uniform. Yes. Back to minimalism. I have 26 shirts and eight bottoms. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I don't, I agree. Like I don't like making decisions like that. Yeah. So I think it's been proven when, so let's say for example, when someone pulls up like an online scheduler for a hairstylist and there's like 30 options for things, people get decision fatigue and they, they don't even know what to choose and it's exhausting to them. So they just choose one of the options and pray that it's the right one. Right. Yeah. So one, one of the things that I've done that seems like not that big of a deal, but is a game changer is, um, the creamer in the shop. Really? Yeah. I mean, you think about it's not the big of a deal, but like every other week or whatever, like you're like, Oh shoot, like I'm out of creamer or it's not good anymore. And like, Maybe some weeks people have coffee, sometimes they don't. I've gotten the non-refrigerated cafe, whatever, made little individual creamers. Mm -hmm. And it is, I haven't had to order cream. And no, and it's not like they're poisonous. I don't know how they're preserved, but (laughs) people are doing fine. And it's it's so simple. I think that's an interesting thing because I know I've been in my business you'll get to work and you'll realize like, Oh crap, I'm out of this or something. And then it stresses you out. Cause then you realize you've run out of that thing, whether that's creamer or water bottles or foils or gloves or something. And I think that that's a good example of integrating minimalism into your business is thinking, how can I simplify this? How can I streamline this? How can I set up a system to where this never happens again? And it's just on autopilot. Yeah. I'm really into autopilot and like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, what, how can I automate this? Like now I know like, you know, like a couple times a year when I do my Amazon order, I'm going to get more of that creamer, but I've ordered it one time and I don't think I've gotten creamer this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's like stuff like that, that like all those little steps, I feel like they kind of just like make for a really awesome business. Absolutely. I've been reading this book called Essentialism. Have you heard of it? Or read it? No, I'm to write that down. Oh man. So I just started it. I'm about halfway through and, um, the tagline for the book is, um, it's the disciplined pursuit of doing less. And I think that it's discipline, right? It's like, when you're practicing a minimalism mindset or when you're trying to incorporate a system into your business, it's the discipline of making that choice and continuing to do it over and over and over again. Yeah. And the book I've just finished that I feel like we could parlay with that one is company of one. Have you heard of that? No. What's that about? It's all about how, you kind of need to question growth that like, if you really want to grow, it's not that you can't grow, but don't, don't not question the traditional growth 
you know, path because for a lot of people that go into business for themselves, they go into business for the freedom, which is what you were talking about earlier. And a lot of times when you add employees or you add, you know, you add a lot of layers because you want to grow without questioning what that growth is going to take from you. A lot of times it can take the very things that made it awesome about being on your own. So from reading that book, I'm like, holy shit, I'm a company of one. Yeah. Now I'm just owning that. It's like, I've had the people work with me. I've done, I've done a lot of different things and I'm like, I'm a company of one. And it just like feels really good to own that. Cause I can like set my life up to be really intentional. And I think that I'm going to read this other book you're saying, but yeah, I think so many times, like I've kind of gone down the path of what other people are doing. Like I want to continue to grow, but growth in this new season of my life looks a lot different than I thought it would. And it feels a lot more congruent to who I am. That's great. I think, I think too, when you're practicing minimalism in your business, it doesn't mean that you have to play small and like not grow. Right. And I think that that sounds really interesting with that book, because I think you have to ask yourself, is this next step or is this scaling my business or growing my business? Is this truly what I want? Are these X, Y, and Z things that come with it? Are those things that I'm willing to take on? Um, cause you can yeah. certainly practice minimalism and scale your business in ways that don't mean the traditional, Oh, well next I do this and I take on all these employees and then we do this, you know? Yeah. I love that. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, I think that a lot of times I'm guilty of when I want to grow and, and things I've tried doing, I've thought about all of the benefits that, that they would provide. And I don't always, I'm a little short sighted in seeing what I'd be giving up or what it's going to take from me. Yeah. Absolutely. Until I'm doing it because I've never done it. And then I see like, oh, wow, this is quite a trade-off I'm experiencing right now. And I think that that's just like part of the journey. Absolutely. But had I read this book, maybe I could have skipped some of it. (laughs) I'm going to pick up this um, Company of One book. That sounds really interesting. I was reading something about how if you're always pursuing goals or things you want to do because of money, you'll never be happy. You're never, you'll, it'll never be enough money that you're achieving. So it has to be things like freedom or, you know, like being able to go on more vacations or something, you know, there's ways to grow your business and scale that are going to be more in tune and and in line with what your values and priorities and, and your intentions are. Well, I think that you hit a really, really good point because I've been researching this a lot. And I think that when people think about money, they're really thinking about freedom. They think about the freedom that the money is going to give them. But without a mindset shift, no amount of money is ever going to give you that freedom because yeah. you it has to come from inside of you. Like, you know, I, I think that that's something that really fascinates me lately. It's just like, and it's kind of about the minimalism thing. It's like, do you really need more or do you need to be a better steward with what you have? And it doesn't mean that you don't need to eventually raise your prices. It doesn't mean that you don't eventually need to shift some things or prioritize vacations, but 
is there something more you could be doing with what you have now? And I saw this quote and I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but it said like, you're never going to arrive at feeling rich. You're never going to arrive at anything being enough. If you struggle with keeping a thousand dollars in your pocket, you're going to struggle with 10,000. You're going to struggle with a million. You're going to struggle with a billion. Like it's really less about more and more about just like getting right with yourself. Absolutely. Well, I think you and I have had this conversation recently in person because this year, one of my goals was to be a better steward of my money, both professionally in my business and personally. And so one of my big things this year is that I decided not to overly invest my money into classes and advanced education and traveling. So I wanted to be a lot more particular about what advanced education I was choosing to do, which I think it's always important to continue taking classes always. But I last year I traveled quite a few times for a few classes and I paid for some pretty expensive, you know, trainings and education and, you know, conferences. And so then I was really strategic this year on the classes that I invested in. And I knew that they were going to be ones where I would immediately be able to take that knowledge and bring it to my business and see a difference. And so when I was going over my numbers for this year versus last year, I'm making more in my profit in my business and in my revenue because I spent so much last year in traveling and education. So, um, and that might not be the case every year, you know, maybe next year I will travel a lot more and go to a lot more things, but that was one practice of minimalism that I wanted to incorporate into my business this year. That's cool. And it sounds like there was a little leg time uh, since last year to this year, whereas like this year you, you took classes that right away you saw the payoff. Whereas it sounds like to me, like last year, there's a slower build. Like you didn't necessarily come back and go, Oh my God, it's so different. Absolutely. It was fun to do some of those things last year. And it was exciting to put it on my business, you know, and I'm glad that I did those things. But this year I wanted to be a lot more intentional and really see immediately the benefit of investing in those classes. And so what did that look like for you? Was that more like extensions or what or techniques or what, what were the skills that you took and you were, because they always say like a class is only as beneficial as like you taking that knowledge and applying it. And I feel like I'm guilty of going to classes and never trying the foil plates. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, what, what would you say was like one of the things that you were like, you took it, you took it and ran. So I did extensions. I got certified in an extension method earlier this year. And so immediately I started taking extension clients. So, I mean, I, I pretty much earned the money back from getting that certification almost within a month or two. Right. And then, um, the two other classes I've taken this year were, um, foiling and blonding techniques, which is, that's what I get the biggest request for. And so I saw an immediate impact with taking those classes and applying those, um, techniques behind the chair, because now I'm getting those clients out the door faster because I've just gotten a lot more efficient, um, with what I've learned in those classes. Um, but here's the perfect example. I, this year I pondered doing a, um, sort of like an, um, advanced accreditation in the color line that I use. So they do their own, um, 
kind of like master color program, master colorist program for the color line that I use. And so I got into the program, but when I found out how much it costs, which was $3,000, um, I had to really ask myself, is this where I think my money is best being invested right now? Because I don't think my clients who are, I think pretty happy with their color already. Um, I don't think that they are maybe going to notice a huge difference in their experience and in their hair. If I take this $3,000 course and maybe they would, I don't know. I've talked to a few people who have taken it and they said it was really wonderful and it was great for their uh, career. But I had to really question myself. Like my, my ego really wanted me to take the class and have that certification. But then I also had to remind myself what's the immediate impact and value and will my clients see that, you know? Yeah. I mean that damn ego. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a sneaky, <laughs> sneaky guy. Mm-hmm. Cause it's Absolutely. crazy what it'll make you think you should do. Absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, going along with advanced education on that topic, like it is exciting to go to those classes and it, it makes you feel good and it's, fun. And, but I think you also have to remember and remind yourself, where is my money best being spent right now? And what am I going to get out of it immediately? Yeah. And I would say for me, this year has been kind of my education year, but it's kind of more for me, it's been a lot of like, I like inspirational speakers like Rachel Hollis or things like that. Like, and I feel like, like, I love what you're saying about how like, there's like different seasons and like, Mm -hmm. just like, kind of like, I feel like this has been a season of like meeting to know myself. And so like, when I look at my profit loss statement, I'm like, yeah, you know, that is a little higher, but then like, I don't have payroll anymore. And it's like, it's really cool to like, understand, to be able to look at your business. And like, you're saying, look at, look at what you've got going on and just be like, okay, like I'm going to prioritize this. And I feel like it can kind of become like the minimalism thing. It can kind of become like a game of like, just like not being like so afraid of your money and just like changing your mindset around it and be like, well, like, what if I put this there? And like, I got, I think it's fun because you can kind of play with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can, like I said, you, last year I was pretty spendy when it came to travel and education. And then that meant this year I wanted to really pare down and be a little bit more intentional with where I was spending my time and my money. Yeah. And I, I heard something recently that I loved and it was like, sometimes there needs to be a a massive income shift. Sometimes there needs to be a massive expense shift. And then I think that there's a third that they don't talk about, which is like, all, you know, everything's kind of working, but, but for me, one of the major things this year has been just really looking at those expenses and what are they and how valuable are they? Are you getting a return on them? And um, it leads me to my next question, which is what would you say is your most favorite modern studio appliance or tool? Oh, that's a really good question. I can tell you mine if you want a minute. Yeah. Do you tell me yours first? Mine is by far my water machine. It is a tankless water machine that creates, you know, room temp, cold water, hot (laughs) water on demand. And it costs about $500 a year, but it is maybe my favorite thing in my studio. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. And you're being responsible and you're not throwing out water bottles all the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's very eco of me. 
I use glass, glass, you know, cups. It's, it's very classy, you know? Absolutely. I would say that's a really good question. What is like my favorite tool or thing in the salon? Well, I did just get recently the salon scale. I got that a couple months ago. Has that been eye opening? It really has been. Um, so if you don't know about it, it is a scale that you use for uh, measuring your color and it syncs up to an app on your phone. So as you are measuring out your bowls of color for your client, it tells you like exactly to the scent, how much each bowl costs you. And it, that's been really eye opening for me just to see exactly what certain services cost me because some cost me a little more than what I thought that they actually did. And it's given me a good baseline for knowing, okay, you know, this certain service cost me, let's say $10. So if, if the threshold is 10 and this, you know, certain person who has more uh, density in their hair cost me more than $10, then I need to add an additional fee on top of that. So I, love I think that's that. probably my um, exciting, fun tool I've brought into my studio recently. Yeah. Let me ask you a question on those bigger services, like the blonding services. Are you surprised at how much more they cost you than say a base color touch up? Is it, is it extremely different? Just like guesstimating here, just thinking off the top of my head, like a blonding service cost me three, four times the amount uh, that a root touch up would cost me, you know? Yeah. Um, So you really have to be um, diligent about watching those costs for sure. Because I think a lot of the lightening products are kind of like they're kind of deceiving. You don't think they're costing you that much because you're getting a a thing of like a bucket of bleach. But if that bleach Mm. is like $40 and you're using like, I mean, like it's, I think it's kind of like a hidden kind of a hidden cost. You don't think. Mm like touch-ups, you're like, you kind of have a rough idea of what you're spending, but a lot of these more complex services everyone's doing now, it's like the cost of doing them is exorbitantly more, I would think. Absolutely. Yeah. I know you and I've talked about this a little bit, like, you know, just simplifying. So like, I like the idea, like we're both receptionless. Mm-hmm. I, I've gone cashless and I know we've talked about going tipless, which I think is another really cool concept and not something I've implemented as of yet, but it's something that I'm really interested in. Is that something you're still interested in? I am. Yeah. I know it's kind of a scary topic to talk about, but, um, I've been doing some reading and some researching on it and I don't know. It's just, it kind of trips my trigger. It's right in line with everything we're talking about. Yes. And I am, I'm headed there. So, the way that I feel about tips is that it's sort of like an arbitrary percentage that people leave you on top of what they're paying you already. And if we're all kind of preaching that we should be charging what we're worth, then shouldn't we just charge what we're worth and like not have to like factor in tipping on top of that, trying to hit that number. So that trips my trigger. (laughs) I know it's, but it's tough because 
traditionally here in the U.S., like people tip on services. So I think so many of our clients are so accustomed to tipping that, you know, would it, would it really trip them out if we were like, actually, I'm going to raise my prices slightly, but I'm not going to be accepting tips anymore. And I'm just going to charge you a flat fee. This is what my time is worth. You know, I don't know. And it really gets me thinking too, because as I have integrated more expensive services like hair extensions, I mean, I don't expect, I'm, I personally 20% expect, tip on no. a thousand dollar service. Right. I mean, that's crazy. I don't expect that. And so I believe more than compensated for my time when I'm doing hair extensions. And so I just personally, and I know not everyone might not agree with that, but I, I don't really feel comfortable. Like expecting a tip on top of that, but it does make me think about my other services that I do. And should I incorporate that into my other services? Yeah, because I've been thinking about it and I've been, you know, like just seeing, like I started taking golf lessons, you know, at the park district, my instructor is 150 an hour. I don't tip him. My photographer is 300 an hour. I don't tip them. An interior designer is 170 an hour, roughly, you know, it's like, you don't tip them. And so there's just something really clean and simplified. And I had talked to my previous business partner about it. And she's like, hi, you know what I love about that is I love that I'd be able to look at a day and know what I'm making. Yes, absolutely. And to me, there's like a simplification in that there's charging your worth. And it's just, it's so many of those things all wrapped into one that I really am um, leaning towards that, but I think it's kind of like in the same vein of like what we're talking about. And I don't know, like I kind of, I kind of just think it just makes sense. And I think it's, it's just like, and it's so cool. Cause it's like, it doesn't have to be for everyone, but I think it's just having that conversation with your clients. And then, and then beyond that, then they, the expectation is set. And, you know, I have a friend who had implemented it in and she said that for people that were, already doing the 20% of the service, their price maybe went up 5%. But mm-hmm. for the person that was coming in and not leaving a gratuity, their service went up 30%. Oh, wow. wow. And so when you think about how a lot of times I think hairstyles in general, there's like an etiquette and the etiquette for you know traditional services, a 20% of the service is through gratuity, but it is a factored in because that's really customarily what people leave yeah but there is something empowering about saying oh yeah so my base color you know instead of being 115 and then just kind of letting it you know like and also the pace of play like I don't know about you but in the setting we're in with the iPad to like swipe someone to take their chip card and then hand them the iPad to me I'm always thinking about how I can simplify things and to be able to like just like you know, take their card, charge the service and just swipe, give them the iPad to just sign their name and be done. Yeah. That takes a whole step away. Absolutely. You know, so it's really interesting. I think I sent you some info on this, but I've, I've read some articles about businesses that have gone completely cashless. And, and and there's a lot of controversy about it because there is a lot of concern that there are people out there who 
strictly operate on cash. You know, there's a lot of controversy about it, but the reason why a lot of businesses have explored going cashless is because if you're, let's say you're like a, um, a food service, like a restaurant and you're, you know, quickly cashing people out all the time. Um, it's much more efficient for a cashier to swipe a card than it is for them to make change, um, for people who are using cash. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, I think it's an accounting issue. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I stopped taking uh, cash for any services because back to trying to have a simplified business, if I take checks and cash and kind of whatever IOUs, whatever people want to give me, then at the end of the day, I have a whole nother step to my system, which is having to put it into the square as cash instead of just having it automatically, you know, account for it. It's having to go to the bank to deposit that. Or just have a, like in studios, it's like from, from a safety standpoint, like a lot of these studios are women run businesses. It's not safe to have cash. Absolutely. That's where I say cash is no longer king. I know it's a popular statement, but I just don't think it is anymore. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see even what happens in the next several years with, I mean, people have their, you know, cards in their phones anymore. And they do like Apple pay. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes over the years. Yeah, for sure. And so I don't want to forget to talk about main circle while I've got you here. Yeah. So, yeah. So since, you know, being on you and Kimber have created this, this whole business. So will you tell us a little bit about it and how it, uh, one thing I want to touch on is like how it's kind of infused passion back into your work behind the chair and your, your, you know, I don't know, brainchild baby. (laughs) No, my passion project. Yeah. Yeah, Um, so my good friend Kimber and I, well, let me give you some context. Her and I met on Instagram. I came across her profile and I just felt like we were just a kindred spirits. I just felt like she was posting a lot of the similar things and saying a lot of things that I was. And, um, so I messaged her and we kind of went back and forth a few times and it turns out that we were both taking, um, a class. Um, so we got to meet each other in person and then we right after that went and got coffee and we both just kind of talked about how we unexpectedly both love business and creating a profitable business and, creating a business that has freedom for you. And so when we got on that topic, we were talking about how we had both been wanting to pursue something that would help other hairstylists, uh, specifically in our local community here in Indianapolis too. And so we came up with the idea for main circle. So what we do is we do a workshop. Um, right now we're shooting for every other month. So every two months, um, we keep it about two hours. Um, and each one has a new topic, but it's always about something that is business related. Um, our first one was about, um, discovering your dream client and building a brand. Um, our next one here in a few weeks is all about retail sales. And Kimber is a former retail coach at her old salon she worked at. So she has got a ton of knowledge and information. 
So we're really just wanting to connect people here locally in Indianapolis. And we also too, just want to create a learning environment because we also think too, sometimes being your own boss can be really isolating and, um, it's really helpful to, uh, meet with other people and just kind of learn what's worked for other people and integrate that into your business. Um, so just getting that group together has been really, really fun. And we've had a lot of really great things come out of it. And we're really excited about it. So cool. Yeah. Cause I know from having, she makes waves. I feel like there's not so much pressure on my behind the chair business to be my everything. Have you yeah. found that that's been true for you? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I think this has been the perfect main circle has really been a great outlet for me to have that passion project and be able to have that outlet, I guess. Um, cause you're right. I mean, I love what I do for a living and I love being my own boss, but we all go through phases where it's like, it's kind of exhausting sometimes, you know, yeah. and it's, it's hard, hard work. And so it's really nice to have something on the side that is just something that I truly am passionate about and really enjoy. And I get to connect with other people. And so that's really just been something really fulfilling for me. Yeah. Cause I think we're, you know, in the past, I'm kind of guilty of wanting or expecting my career to be the end all be all for my whole life. And I think that with this whole like approach to like, you know, like setting up business that serves me better, I'm able to like take golf lessons and I'm able to do this podcast. And I feel like I kind of alleviated a lot of the pressure I put on my career to be, to be like my everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, with any relationships, whether it's with like a romantic partner or your spouse, or if it's with a friendship or if it's with your career, you can't expect it to fulfill everything and fill every bucket of yours, you know? So you have to have other things that are passions and, and especially in your career, for sure. You can't expect it to just working behind the chair 24 seven to fulfill everything for you. Yeah. So if you were going to leave people with, with one like tip or trick of kind of getting their business headed on the journey of like more sustainability or more just simplified systems, like, do you have one, one piece of wisdom? I think getting really, really clear on what is the most important thing to you or like, what are your biggest priorities? Um, and then don't make any excuses for not abiding by those. You know, I think for me, um, being really, really clear on, I didn't want to just be working behind the chair 24 seven, even though I loved it, I wanted to have more freedom and flexibility to pursue some of this fun stuff that I've done with main circle and educating other hairstylists. Um, so I needed to carve out time for that in my schedule. So that means I can't, I can't work behind the chair every single day. So I think just being really, really clear on what your personal and professional priorities and goals are and just creating boundaries to 
make that happen. Yeah. And I would leave people with my tip was going to be the power of the pause, which I think is great in tandem with what you're saying. So once you, you take the time to figure out what it is that you want to do, then it's having the courage in those moments when a client wants you to stay late or is trying to find a spot and you want to close the deal. If you have to pause and you have to remember what Teddy said, which is what is the the life I want and is this helping me to get there or not? And if it's not, pause for two seconds longer. Don't say I'll stay late and find a time that works in your schedule. I think that it's always so scary and we're trying to close close our appointment down or whatever. And I think that we sometimes we forget everything you just said and we accommodate and we don't show up for what our dream is or what our goal is. So I th- I just, my, my tip would be encourage you to do what Teddy said and then to pause in the moments where you're being pulled towards your dream or pulled from your dream. Because I think that that's, that's, that's huge. I love that. I, I need to incorporate that into my life and my business more. Cause I have been a little guilty recently of saying yes to too many things and circumstances. <laughs> yeah. And I think knowing your triggers for me, when I have someone waiting on me and I'm closing, um, like, uh, checking someone else out and then they don't have their next appointment, which, you know, I need to take my own advice and I need to be telling people, Hey, I'm scheduling out further in advance for my after late afternoon appointments. So, you know, we should really get a couple on the schedule because what I'm doing is kind of, I'm setting myself up to have a kind of a stressful moment. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then afterwards you say yes to something and afterwards you're like, why did I say yes to that? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to send an email today rescheduling that person. So now I've just created more more work on a day that I didn't need to. Had I just taken a deep breath, been okay with people waiting on me and, and just honored my schedule. Yeah. Cause when you're, when you're saying yes to other people and what they want, you're effectively saying no to yourself. Tell you, I think we'll leave everyone with that. And, um, I know absolutely. Have a great day.